Welcome to the Word on Wednesday podcast for January 20. My name is John Mason. Thank you for joining us. Today there are deep divisions everywhere. Voices of outrage refuse to listen to any voice but their own. Neither side is prepared to talk. Is there any hope for our broken world? These are questions I will be exploring shortly. The Word on Wednesday is a ministry of the Anglican Connection, which is not just for Anglicans. Everyone is welcome. Furthermore, let me invite you to register for an online conference we are holding. The conference title is The Majestic Glory in an Age of Change, The Unchanging God of Love and Beauty, Goodness, Justice and Compassion. You need to register by January 28. And you can do this at www.anglicanconnection.com. A reading from the Gospel of St. Mark, chapter 1, verses 14 through 20. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. As Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee, He saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fish for people. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, who were in their boat mending the nets. Immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Is life a matter of the survival of the fittest? C.S. Lewis in his Reflections on the Psalm said that Psalm 19 is one of the greatest lyrics in the world. It begins, The heavens are telling the glory of God, and the firmament proclaims His handiwork. Many people view the universe as a fortuitous happenstance. It's pure chance that we and everything around us are here. But Psalm 19 sees it differently, and many leading astrophysicists and cosmologists agree. The vastness, splendor, order, and complexity mystery of the universe, reveal God's power and glory. Charles Townes, a Nobel laureate for his discovery of the laser, stated, In my view, the question of origin seems always left unanswered if we explore from a scientific view alone. Thus I believe there is a need for some religious or metaphysical explanation. I believe in the concept of God and in His existence. The opening lines of Psalm 19 are telling us that no one can say, I never knew about God. Look around you, the writer says. In St Paul's Cathedral, London, the inscription to its architect, Sir Christopher Wren, reads, If you're looking for a monument or testimony, look around you. Paul the Apostle tells us in Romans chapter 1 that the human tragedy is that every one of us tries to suppress the truth. 
The evidence is there, but we choose to ignore God. What is God like? As we read last week, the Gospel of Mark opens with the words, The beginning of the good news of Jesus, the Christ, the Son of God. To know Jesus is to know God. And Mark's aim is to demonstrate through his narrative that Jesus is truly the promised Messiah and that he is the Son of God. It's a bold claim. Many dismiss it without any further thought. But consider this. Years ago, an acclaimed film writer and journalist commented that he was struck by Mark's style of writing. Mark wrote as a good journalist, he said. Furthermore, against all the rules of writing drama, Mark's central character was flawless, he commented. The film writer wanted to find out more. Mark sets out his narrative about Jesus, moving us quickly from one scene to the next. He dexterously uses his pen as an artist uses a brush, sketching in the various scenes of Jesus' public life. We read the testimonies of various witnesses as they either vociferously reject him or come to respect his greatness. Mark highlights the essence of Jesus' teaching with a report of his words. The time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Jesus was not teaching a general truth that God is king over history. Rather, he was saying that the time had come for God to fix up the world, as the prophets of old had said he would. When Jesus said the kingdom of God is near, he was saying that God was about to rule in history in a new and perfect way, to set wrongs right, to bring healing, to correct injustice, and to establish peace and prosperity. The implication was that men and women would see with their own eyes that he was the true king. Facts could be checked. God's rule would be evident on earth as it is in heaven. The day of the Lord was about to happen. As passengers on a wharf looked for the approaching ferry with anticipation, so too people were watching for the coming of God's promised king. They may have said, when Messiah comes, he will lead us in victory and triumph. But contrary to every human expectation that God's rule would come in naked power, its actual appearance is characterised by utter powerlessness. Betrayed, deserted and denied by his friends, the king is subjected to a kangaroo court before being handed over to the Romans on the false charge of high treason. The astonishing thing is that the kingdom of God finally arrived with the shameful crucifixion of Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. And what response did Jesus ask of his hearers? Repent and believe the good news. Believing the good news of Jesus means welcoming the great news that God's kingdom will soon come. Believing the gospel means rejoicing that the good and wonderful God will one day reveal himself in all of his glory and justice. And Jesus' own resurrection from the dead authenticates that this will happen. To repent and believe means to turn to the Lord, asking for forgiveness and desiring to give our lives to him in love and loyalty. The practical wisdom of Jesus' words is quite simple. 
Life is not mere happenstance. It's not the survival of the fittest. We can't afford the luxury of enjoying everything now without remembering that there will be a time of accounting to come. If we claim to know the Lord Jesus, it's essential to keep our relationship with Him fresh and vital. And the only way we can do this is by consistently reading books of the Bible, like Mark's Gospel. And if you don't know what to believe, again, let me encourage you to read the Gospel of Mark. And pray. Ask God to help you to find Him. Seek His help. Knock on His door, saying, God, I don't know if you're there. If you are, please open your door to me. You know, these matters are so important that the Anglican Connection has an upcoming online conference where we'll be exploring these matters. If you have not done so already, check out our website, www.anglicanconnection.com. You need to register by January 28. The cost is
Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Almighty and everlasting God, ruler of all things in heaven and on earth, hear with mercy the prayers and petitions of your people, and so grant us your peace all the days of our life. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. A prayer for those in authority. Sovereign Lord, direct and govern the leaders of the nations. Give them the will and the wisdom to resolve tension and conflict, so that all people may live in harmony and peace. We pray especially for President Biden, who is being inaugurated today. Give wisdom, grace and integrity to the President and his administration and to all members of Congress. Strengthen all judges and magistrates to uphold justice and truth. And help us all to share the resources you've given us so that people everywhere may enjoy with gratitude the fruits of your creation. We ask this through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. A prayer for peace. God of the nations, whose kingdom rules over all, have mercy on our broken and divided world. Shed abroad your peace in the hearts of all people and banish from them the spirit that makes for conflict so that all races and people may learn to live as members of one family and in obedience to your laws. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. In the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you and remain with you always. Amen. People involved in today's podcast are John Mason, speaker and writer, Andrew Pearson, the Dean and Senior Minister of the Cathedral Church of the Advent, Birmingham, Alabama, and Catherine Jacob, a member of the Cathedral Ministry team. The introductory and concluding music is from the Cathedral under the direction of Dr. Frederick Teardew and Zachary Hicks. John Newton's hymn, Amazing Grace, is sung by the Chamber Choir of St Andrew's Cathedral, Sydney, under the direction of Ross Cobb. Prayers are drawn from an Australian prayer book, 1978, and the Bible readings are from the New Revised Standard Version. Please let us know if you have a question or a comment about this podcast. We'd love to hear from you. And don't forget to register for the Anglican Connection online conference at www.anglicanconnection.com. Cut-off date is January 28.